We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio. We'll uh, have a pretty guest-heavy show for you today. David Brandt of the Associated Press in uh, in Arizona now. He's in the uh, Phoenix area, does Suns, Diamondbacks, whatever else going on there in Arizona. Obviously, Suns in a pretty big playoff series right now in the NBA. Um, and, uh, and more, so we'll talk to David about that. Also coming up in the second half of the show, David DeLucci, former Ole Miss All-American, um, ESPN SEC Network uh, analyst, as well as a longtime MLB player as well. Talk to him about some different baseball topics. So David Brandt, David DeLucci coming up on the Oxford Exxon podcast, the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Download the Speed Pass Plus app. Take advantage of that. You earn points and save money there with the Oxford Exxon. And also you get a lunch special every single weekday, two sides bread, 32-ounce drink there at the, uh, the Oxford Exxon. And uh, Neil, obviously, will tell you a little more about the YGB football camp coming this weekend. Yep. Uh, Thursday and Friday actually starts tomorrow. Um, Thursday and Friday at Jackson Academy there in Jackson, Mississippi. It's uh, YGBfootball.org. A lot of former uh, Ole Miss guys, some NFL guys, DK Metcalf, T.Y. Hilton. Among those expected uh, to be there as coaches, there's a camp for – the young guys, third through eighth grade, and then there's a camp for the high school guys, ninth through twelfth grade, as you might imagine. Again, Thursday and Friday, it's YGBfootball.org. You still have time to sign up. And uh, last year, they had like 300 campers. It was a great event. So uh, you can join in on that uh, tomorrow and Friday. And uh, we're in the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. I'll send you a quote. Within 15 minutes in business hours, right at the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop the quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's uh, hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service. Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove that to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. Guest today, David Brandt, David DeLucci, join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters, uh, 
on uh, on the water at Sardis. Be a great place for July the fourth. Big fireworks festivities and such. Go ahead and make your plans for that now. It will be the biggest fireworks show in North Mississippi. Frozen margaritas, frozen daiquiris, the whole deal there at Rafters on the Water and also Rafters on the Square in Oxford and Rafters in New Albany. Get you one of those banana daiquiris, I bet. I bet they'd hook you up. Let, probably, you, let you have one or ten would. or whatever you'd like. I'm okay without a banana daiquiri, though. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You're good. Uh, so we'll get into our guest here soon. How, how long have we got? Hold, David. How much time? We uh, here? Whenever I think he's pretty much ready. Whenever. Okay. Um, only bit of news, I guess, come out in the last twenty four hours or so from an Ole Miss standpoint. Um, Derek Diamond, the Ole Miss, uh, I guess, rising junior now. It's gonna be in his third season when uh, they come back to school in the fall. He uh, has a sore elbow. He will be not pitching this summer for Team USA. I think he was also supposed to also going to the Cape prior to Team USA, so he won't be doing that either. Um, they are currently in a rehabilitation program. I was told by Ole Miss last night, surgery is not imminent. That was quote unquote. Um, obviously it's some level of concern. He had a, he had a forearm strain last summer dealing with this. Now there was definitely a velocity drop toward the, the, the end of the postseason. So he has all three warning signs. Yeah. There are a lot of warning signs. He lost signs his here. velocity. He lost his command and he's got soreness. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're not, Pushing and going ahead, I don't know. It would be speculation on why I think that's the case or not the case. I'm not sure, but nonetheless, that's where it's at. Not pitching. Um, we'll see kind of what this process looks like over the next four, six, eight weeks, something like that is, a, is again, my guess. But nonetheless, that's the news. And you know, another critical element is Ole Miss gets ready for um, for next season. I mean, Ginger, you've got the exact question. She says surgery not imminent, but is it inevitable? Um, and that's probably too strong, but – no, it's definitely something that you have to be wondering about pretty pretty strongly as this thing uh, as this thing moves uh, moves forward. So I don't know. Um, I'm asking this and not not to be rhetorical, but I'm being literal here. Is is are there any examples of these situations where it goes away and the elbow is fine? Um, yeah, there are some different rehabilitation therapeutic things that have been known to work in specific cases. I mean, without knowing Derek's exact elbow situation, it's just impossible. Um, but no, I mean, of course, the overwhelming majority of these type of things, uh, happen. But I mean, you know, he, he overcame last summers and you kind of wonder what that, you know, if that was connected in any way or wasn't. I mean, he had a forearm strain that when they did the, the MRI, the MRI was completely clean, the best of my recollection. There was nothing there. Um, and you know, that was abnormal because typically a forearm strain is absolutely evidence of, of some Tommy John elbow issues because of the way you compensate when you're when you're throwing. And that wasn't the case at that point. But now back again, is there something in his mechanics? Is there something that's causing some issues? I have no freaking idea. But, yeah, there, there, there are instances. I mean, I don't think Ole Miss is – or Derek or, you know, his advisor or whatever you want to call it um, is just putting off surgery for no reason to try to make it seem like it's not – but um no it's it's definitely something to monitor and frankly it's uh it's the thing to absolutely monitor as the uh, as the summer goes on because should Derek Diamond be injured for any long period of time that throws another kink in Ole Miss pitching staff that's already at least on paper um unproven and fairly thin going into 2022 so that's right. uh, that's that answering a question in the thread no if he has the surgery there is no next season for him he, he would, would he miss would, next he season. would miss the entire season yeah at the college level at this point um those surgeries are 12 to 14 months ish yeah. something like that so the, no. the incentive to have the surgery now would be so that you had most of the rehab over with by the time the draft rolled around and frankly, you might even need to prove yourself a little bit to some extent and play some Cape games for a few yeah. weeks just to kind of see what it looked like. 
Um, that's a guess. That is simply speculation. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's where that's at. So that's really the only news. I can't think of anything else Ole Miss related over the last 24 hours that it's, uh, that's come out. But we'll get into our first guest here uh, in a second. I'll let Neil dial it up. David Brandt from the Associated Press. We'll talk a little baseball, a little basketball, and whatever else with David here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline in a second as he's, uh, as he's getting it going. I can kind of gab away while he's uh he's doing that. <clears throat> yeah, it won't take me but a second. I just gotta. Yeah, it's not my sixty. It's not my birthday at all, but it's definitely not my sixty fifth birthday. We're not anywhere close to to, to that. Um, I do feel a little old sometimes. Glenn Gobo says the finalists for the uh, LSU coaching job are Cliff Godwin, Jay Johnson, the Arizona coach, and Link Jarrett Hello. From, uh, from Notre Dame. Hello, David. Neil McCready, Chase Parham. How are you, sir? Hey, just a second. Okay. <laughs> All right, you there? We're here. You're and you're, oh, you're and you're live. You're live. So don't, so don't say anything. Oh, about sorry about that. No, no, you're, no good. you're good. It's just it's kind of like the radio. You know, you don't want to you, you don't want to tell somebody <laughs> they don't have a hot mic or anything. So I just want to let you know. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. What's uh what, what's what's going on? You, how how you, you doing? NBA? What's going on there out in Arizona? Other than I, I tell you, I know you had a scorpion run in, and everybody that has come back from Tucson for the Super Regional a couple weeks ago, I had one buddy who played golf, and he said, you know, the thing with Arizona and golf is there are at least fifteen things on the golf course that are trying to kill me at all times, whether it be snakes or scorpions or cactus or anything else. I mean, you're kind of living in a death trap out there. A little bit. I don't, I don't, because I'm kind of more in the city. I don't have to worry. I've, I've had no snake encounters yet, so Neil doesn't have to worry. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the scorpion thing is, is pretty wild. And, and sometimes you just like, like actually you're calling on one of the rarest of days here. It rained a little this morning. And I haven't seen rain in like six months. So, um, yeah, sometimes you're like, this really isn't where humans should live. But it's pretty awesome other than that. Define rain, though. Are we talking like just some mist for 15 minutes, or do you actually ever in the world get a downpour of any type? I mean, sometimes it's usually in the winter. It will, like, substantially rain. And then in the summer, they have something called monsoon season, which, okay. you know, it, it, it will thunderstorm occasionally. Um, but, yeah, today it was basically just a light shower. Okay, fair enough. I know we're going to talk some NBA, talk some different stuff, but I mean, you you covered for a while. How did you sort of, and maybe in the periphery, maybe you didn't see it at all, but what was kind of your take on some of the Mike Bianco stuff and even just a, a, a coach at an SEC school publicly interviewing for another job inside the conference? No, I, I mean, I, I think with Mike Bianco, there's obviously some history there that kind of is an extenuating circumstance. But yeah, from afar, I, I thought that was kind of interesting um you know but i mike bianco just it's such a infuriating i don't know if infuriating is the right word but it's just such an interesting career he's had at Ole miss because i think he's one of the best coaches in the country obviously at consistently putting out a winner consistently getting a lot out of his team you know consistently having an entertaining product but then for some reason that super regional round just over the years has been such a a brick wall for them so um but yes i getting back to your the the lsu job i i found it interesting that it was kind of so public but i also can see from mike's perspective if you're going to do that you would rather it not leak out and seem secret so you know 
I, I don't know if there was a good way to go about that. Well, the good way to go about it is that you have to have absolute assurances from everyone involved that it won't leak out. And then when it does leak out, you know right then that they're not hiring you because they leaked it out. They leaked it out to force you out. I mean, that's a lot of fans don't like that. And the reporting has been attacked and I'll own some of it. But at the same time, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And you guys are obviously a lot closer to me than that. I, I just, you know, I, it was just, I, I was surprised it was such a public thing. I mean, maybe maybe Mike just thought that it was going to leak one way or the other, and you might as well put it out there. But it certainly, I can see why Ole Miss fans were a little perturbed. Did you see the Phoenix Suns going this far when this season started? Was there any part of you that thought, you know, this is a team that might be at, at one well, point in June, two games from the NBA Finals. I mean, no, I didn't really think they'd be this far, but they've had the combination of they're good and they've gotten progressively better throughout the year. I think compared to a lot of the teams in the league, they've stayed relatively healthy. I, I know they haven't had Chris Paul the last couple games for COVID reasons, and he hurt his shoulder earlier. So they've had a little bit of adversity, but, you know, they've run into teams. Anthony Davis was hurt, and then, you know, Obviously, Kawhi has been out for the Clippers, so they're really good. They've had a little bit of good fortune, and, and I think that some of their other players like Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, I mean, all those guys are young, and they've improved a ton over the last year. So, no, I would not have predicted this, but now that they're this far, I think they've got probably as good of a chance as anyone to win it. I assume you were in the building last night. Did you yes, I was. Did you see that play? Then, for those who missed it, the uh, the final ten seconds of a great game were on so many levels defining of the people involved. I thought. I mean, look, I'm a Paul George fan, but he plays a great game. Kawhi Leonard does, is out for the presumably for the series. He plays a great game, and then he misses two free throws to leave the door open. And the Suns basically have no time for anything other than a tip-in play, which you never see work. They ran one to perfection. DeAndre Ayton tips it in, dunks it in, or whatever at the buzzer to take a 2 nothing lead in the, in the series. Did you see the play sort of developing in front of you? What was your what, – what, what, I mean, guys, kind of take us through your what you saw. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, just from a writer's perspective, there were four lead changes in the final 29 seconds. So it was pretty intense. But uh, I mean, as far as that final play, you were uh, you said it right. It was just run to perfection. I mean, you know, DeAndre Ayton's dunk was awesome, but it was probably the easiest part of the play. Jay Crowder had an incredible pass over DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, Devin Booker, who, you know, is their leading scorer and the guy that usually takes those shots. He set a screen on Zubak that, you know, not, not many star players would do, especially when they've got a broken nose they suffered like 10 minutes before. Um, and, and then Aiton did a great job of, of jamming it in. And so, yeah, you just see the play develop. And, and what I've learned here, too, this is really a son's town. You know, it was the first it was the first professional franchise here. It got here, I think, in '68. Um, you know, there's it's a super intense fan base, and I mean that place was rocking last night. So to see that play develop, uh, you know, Paul George, you talked about, he, he's an 85% free throw shooter. To miss both of those, to even have that opportunity, was pretty incredible. So I, I mean. It was run to perfection. I thought the most impressive part was the pass for Crowder because he kind of had to throw it over the backboard, uh, but it was run perfectly. 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned the crowd. You're right. NBA ratings in the playoffs are starting to go back up. They're actually getting some really good ratings right now on some of these games, which I think is indicative of a couple of things. One, there are some sort of new stars that are on the big stage for the first time. Uh, Devin Booker, Trey Young, some guys like that. I think there is a certain amount of LeBron fatigue that I'm not talking about his politics. I'm just talking about there's just a certain amount of LeBron fatigue. He's dominated the league for so long. But last night, that crowd in Phoenix was just packed, and it was it was the first time in a long time that an NBA playoff game uh, post-pandemic felt and looked and sounded like an NBA playoff game pre-pandemic. Yeah, I totally agree, and I, I think you're right. I think that part of the reason, I, I think there's a myriad of reasons, but one, one of the big reasons that, you know, sports ratings went down a little during the pandemic is I think most people want to watch sports to take their mind off the world and you just couldn't watch sports and again i'm not even talking politics you couldn't help but watch sports and all you saw were masks or no fans or you know everything about the sports was weird even you know except for the action on the quarter on the field but you you couldn't escape the fact that it was weird and you know a lot of times the announcers weren't even there or, you know there was something that almost constantly reminded you that the world was not normal, that, you know, stuff was, you know, essentially the world was burning, and that that's just not very fun. And I think people, it, instead of watching stuff like that, watch things that made them more comfortable, like the office reruns or something like that. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that... Uh, it, it did have much more of a pre-pandemic feel. It was about the action on the court. It was, you know, a packed house. And I, I think we all knew how much the fans meant to sports. But I say that, and I, I it's just so different. It's, it, it brings it up 10 notches, and, and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch, you know, over this year to watch the fans slowly come back and then for these playoffs to have a packed house. What's the deal with Chris Paul? What's what's is he coming back for Game Three? What what is his situation? Uh, it, the the whole vaccination thing. I know you guys have to write about it. I know he's people have been asked about it. Have they given firm answers on it? I sort of stopped following that part of it because it, as you probably can imagine, it annoyed me. Looks. Tim Reynolds, one of our uh, national writers, he was reporting on it, and he threw sources like a couple of the other guys at ESPN that, that Chris Paul was vaccinated back a, a couple months ago. And so um, apparently he's not, there's no real symptoms or anything like that, but obviously he's got to pass through the protocol. So um, I, I think they're optimistic about game three, but Monty Williams is pretty tight lipped. So I, I, I think the team is optimistic they get him back, um, but it's, you know, who knows at this point? It's just kind of Day-to-day. And what's the media coverage situation? I know you're there. Is everything still Zoom, or is there sort of a quasi part live, part Zoom? What's the what's that like? Sorry, you cut out for a second. What was that? Yeah, I was just asking about the whole media post game and pre game and stuff. Are, is anything in person, or is everything still virtual in the arena? Actually, the Western Conference Finals, they have now switched it up. If you have, if you're vaccinated and you return a rapid test within the last 24 hours, there's like a chunk of us, like 10 of us, that get to go down underneath the, the, you know, to the regular interview rooms and talk to people in person. Now it's still, you got to wear masks and you're a little, but instead of doing Zoom, you get to physically in person talk to people. And so, you know, some of the NBA writers, you know, like Sam Amick from the the Athletic, um, you know, Mark 
Spears from the undefeated. Rachel Nichols is down there. You know, some people. And so there's a there's a chunk of us that, that get to go down there and talk to people. And it, it's been nice. You know, it's it's crazy. Some of these Suns players we've been talking to for over a year, like Cameron Payne, like Jay Crowder, we had never met them in person until after game one. And so, uh, you know, it's it's been, it's not perfect, it's still a little weird, but it's it's less weird than it was. Do you get a sense that this is just how it's going to be through the playoffs and then they're going to magically hit a switch and next year's going to be back to normal? <laughs> That's the kind of the, I know it's insider baseball, but, you know, obviously I think a lot of media is, you know, sort of concerned about access and, and how it goes in the future. I, I do not think there is a magic switch. I don't think it goes exactly back to normal. I do think that there will be, you know, more access and I, I think it will get better. But I, I do think we're, I don't, I'll be interested to see if locker room access comes back. I, I hope it does because I, I really do think it gives you a chance to have occasional casual conversations and when you have to ask a tough question at least you have a relationship with that person or that coach and you know it makes it a little less awkward you know like right now the diamondbacks i'm actually sorry if there's noise i'm 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 driving i'm going to a diamondbacks game they're obviously horrible and you know we've had to ask questions about job security and different things and hitting coaches being fired and those are awkward enough questions to ask in person um but they're really awkward to ask over zoom when you're like cutting out and different things like that so i I do think there's benefit not just for the media but also for the people we cover i think that the human element of it helps both sides because I, i just think there's better communication that way so i i hope it gets back to somewhat close to normal but you know i i think the NFL is already talking about the locker rooms are probably going to be closed at least at the beginning of training camp. You know, it's funny you bring that up because it's one of those things that the common fan, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but if you're not in the media and you've never covered Major League Baseball in person, you don't really understand how important clubhouse access is for reporters. And it's not... Yeah, it's not to ask about you know, hey, you know, what just happened in the game or whatnot, because that can that can be done in a different setting and it's fine. But it's when you're working on something that has more depth or you're working on something that's sensitive or something like that, the ability to go to that player and say, Hey, you know, uh, Derek, can I get ten minutes with you when it's convenient? And a lot of times it's yeah, let's do it right now, or yeah, I'll meet you in the dugout at in, in thirty minutes, or let me get my work in and then I'll I'll find you or whatever. And there is a relationship there that and the the players back in the day would respect the fact that you came to them in that setting to do it. And now there's this this kind of these rumblings that hey, you know, clubhouses may not ever be open the way that they were before, that the players prefer it this way or the clubs prefer it this way. And it, it is going to impact the type of coverage that fans get. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's no question because it's just a lot easier to talk to somebody when you've joked about college football or something. You know what I mean? Like sure. you find over conversations over months and years, especially for the beat writers, that you have common interests or that, you know, you like the same music or something. You have some sort of common thread that helps you, you know, like I said, when you want to get 10 minutes, when you want to, you know, intrude in their time and their work, that it, it makes it a lot easier. And so, you know, I, I, I can understand from the player's perspective 
perspective, it's not always like awesome to have the reporters in there. But I think in most clubhouses, especially now with the way the media goes, like before games, it's not like there's 45 reporters bouncing. <laughs> there's like three of us, maybe. And they're usually around most of the time. They understand how locker rooms work. I, at least in the Diamondbacks perspective, I, I don't think they mind having us around that much. But I, you know, I get that it's not exactly convenient to have reporters around sometimes, but I, I think the alternative is is not all unicorns and rainbows either, and I think people are going to find that out too. Is baseball the one that is the biggest hindrance on the the virtual rules versus in person? NBA too. NBA. Yeah, I mean the NBA and Major League Baseball all pre-pandemic had a ton of access yeah. and it was it was great i mean you know and 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 like i said it had so much access that usually reporters didn't use all of it because but it, but again it gave you time to to set things up you know to say hey you got 10 minutes tomorrow to talk about this or whatever different things like that so i i would say those are the two it affects the most in baseball you know especially for the real beat writers like i kind of bounce back and forth between sports but you're just around each other so much because there's 162 games you know there's spring training there's potentially postseason i mean it really is almost like a, a traveling family in some ways and so um yeah I, I think baseball would be the sport that it affects the most with with basketball close behind well like i've thought about i mean it's funny as an nl central fan of a team that's not the cincinnati reds i shouldn't be the joey Votto fan that i am but i am a pretty big joey Votto fan and a lot of that is because of the relationship that he's built with trent rosecrans um of the athletic and um you know trent's been in cincinnati for a while and and, and now he's with the athletic but he's obviously covered Votto a lot and uh Votto trusts him and likes him, and he gets these in-depth pieces that lets you get to know Joey Votto in a way that if we had, you know, five years of, of pandemic rules, I don't know that we'd ever get to know those people like that anymore, and I, I do think it changes fandom. Yeah, I think so, too, because, you know, people talk about the Players' Tribune and, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, there's a reason, you know, not that what we do is is rocket science, but there's a reason athletes are athletes and, you know, writers are writers. We're pretty good at writing, usually, especially once you get to that level and telling people's story in an interesting fashion. And I just don't think, you know, the Players' Tribute is usually kind of PR. And I, I think that, you know, somebody like Trent Rosecrantz or, you know, people who have been on the beat, those relationships you build over the years um you know that that's how you get the real internet that's like if you watch a team 162 games a year the you know not the sideline reporter but the you know the the reporter down on the field a lot of times sees those guys every single day and that's how you get kind of the interesting tidbits about their family or about the you know what's going on in their lives and that makes them more relatable and the less you know about that the more it's just you know dudes playing baseball on a field and and that's fine for what it is but i think a lot of people i I know my my mom for instance is a huge atlanta braves fan and she loves you know talking about i mean she loves the baseball aspect of it but she loves talking about freddie freeman and you know what he's doing and his friendship with chipper jones and you know all these different guys i mean she knows everything about him and that's through like getting to know that you know having reporters that actually know these guys and so you know i i just if that goes away i think it would be a shame media dork question a little bit and hopefully we everything's back to normal when these next seasons start in the fall or whenever it is do you feel like though that the 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 
reporters who are not vaccinated or can't get these, I mean, is, is there pressure potentially building up from their organizations, from their employers to put somebody else on the beat or even, you know, talk about employment in general? I mean, because they are they're at a certain disadvantage at this point, I would assume. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I got vaccinated because I wanted to get vaccinated, but also because I knew it would be required to yeah. cover stuff. You know, and like if I wanted to go down and talk to people after these Western Conference finals, I knew I'd probably need to be vaccinated. So I did it. And uh, I, I think there's absolutely pressure, especially for bigger events, you know, maybe not covering high schools or something like that. But yeah, I think and I think it'll be different in certain parts of the country and depending on like what your media affiliation, like what you do but i I think there's no question and it's not just media i think there's certain professions that there's going to be a lot of uh pressure to get vaccinated and like i said i got vaccinated because i wanted to but you know also it's convenient and helping me do my job as well yeah i didn't want to and did because i figured ncaa tournaments bowl games uh, and I see, and people could crack jokes, but you never know. You don't, you don't want to get to a situation where, hey, the team that you cover is the surprise team in the country, and they're in the SEC championship game, and you're not vaccinated, so you can't. You know what I mean? I just said I knew that was coming, and so or I figured it was coming. Whether I agree with it or not is, a, is another topic, but I figured it was coming, and so, yeah, I, I did it. I'm, I am curious to see, like <laughs> – you're right, because you know, like with the NBA, with the finals and stuff, how do they how do they check? Is, is it something that gets put into a database, or do you have to carry the the ID card around? Well, what I did with my uh, vaccination card, I took a picture of it, and I just have it on my phone at all times. <laughs> it's like I've had to, I've had to show it several times. Like I did a story on uh, Israel's uh, Olympic baseball team was training here in Scottsdale, and uh, I wanted to go out there, and they were like, "Do you have your vaccination card?" I showed them the picture, and they you know let me have the run of the place basically, and I could talk to anybody I wanted to, um, you know. And so that's how the NBA does it. You have to. They give you, you can get tested at the arena, a rapid test. And so you go down there, wait for 20 minutes with the other reporters. They give you a slip that says you're clear. You give the, the slip of paper to the PR people when you get into the stadium. And then you show them, you know, either your physical vaccination card or a photo of it. And uh, then they log it in and you're good to go. Gotcha. This, uh, so. Suns are up 2 nothing. The Clippers have been down 2 nothing in the past two series. They've come back and won. Can they come back and beat Phoenix, or do you think this is over? I mean, I think the Suns are obviously in a very good position, and I think they're a better team. But, I mean, you know, if the Clippers have done it twice, they're a tough, tough, gritty team. Um, you know, I know Paul George missed those free throws, but he's been really good. If they could get Kawhi back in any sense, obviously that would help. You know, they've just got a lot of toughness with Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo. I just—it's just not a team that's going to go away quietly. I would be shocked if this series doesn't come back to Phoenix at least. Um, I, I think the Clippers get at least one in Los Angeles. So I, I think that the Clippers are in a tougher position just because I think the Suns are a better team. But I, you know, I, I think it's possible. They—they've proven it before. Have you had a chance to talk to Monty Williams much about? Not just this team, but his life and how he's kind of rebuilt his life after just an incredible tragedy hit him when he was, I guess, what was that, 2015, 2016, when he was an assistant for Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City and his wife was involved in that car accident. I mean, it, it, you know, one of those things that uh, completely changes everything. He had to, you know, get out of, of basketball for a little while to sort of help keep his family together after that. And now he's back. He's 
coach of the year. His team's almost to the NBA finals on the, on the uh, certainly a legitimate contender to win a championship. What's have you had an opportunity to just kind of talk to him or tell that story? Oh yeah. And I mean, mostly I did it, you know, with last year when we could really talk to him and stuff like that. But, you know, I, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody more respected in the game than Monty Williams. I mean, everyone loves him, like the players, the other coaches. I mean, you know, you, sometimes you throw around the, the term like wise and stuff like that. I mean, Monty is not just smart. He's, he's wise. And, and that's kind of a weird thing to quantify, but you know, he's just seen a lot, you know, he's obviously like you talked about suffered incredible personal tragedy. Um, you know, and he's raising all, all those kids, I, I, five of them, I believe, or something like that, and they're all different ages. Um, you know, he's a smart guy. He went to Notre Dame. He's got a really unique perspective. He's obviously a guy of a, a lot of faith and stuff like that. So, you know, he's just he's one of those people that, like, when he talks, he commands respect. People listen, and he's really humble. So, you know, he's – I don't – it's hard to find it, – it's rare when you see somebody basically without flaws and I know if he heard me say that he would be he would probably faint because I you know everybody has flaws but like I said there's there's not many people you're going to find that are more universally respected than Monty Williams last thing and we're jumping around but you get to talk to all these people really about these topics and we don't um, and and I know you, you we've chronicled your career as a uh, as a baseball pitcher in the past um, you're going to a baseball game today. I don't know who the Diamondbacks are playing. I don't know if it really matters at 21 and Brewers. 54. Oh, Brewers. Well, then go, go D-backs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so all these pitchers are getting uh, – we saw the Max Scherzer stuff last night. Um, the, the reliever for the A's, uh, Romo, uh, he, he dropped his pants. He was so frustrated with the umpires and stuff getting getting checked for substances to help with grip, that kind of thing. What are the players and, and managers and stuff saying – um, in private, really, about what's going on with Major League Baseball and, and checking the, the caps and, and you know, belts and everything else? Well, I, I think that the thing that really annoys the pitchers is that they're kind of changing the procedure in the middle of the season. And, you know, guys, anytime in any walk of life when you change the rules sort of and i know it was a rule but you know what i mean like when you when you change procedure in the middle of the season people are going to be upset and and also the pitchers feel singled out they feel like i, I we were talking to uh, brett anderson with the brewers the other day and you know he got checked and him and the umpire were kind of laughing about it and stuff like that and we were like it seemed like you guys were joking around he's like yeah we were joking around but i had just had a one two three inning he's like what happens when the umpire makes a you know a bad call on a you know a pitch or something i disagree with or we're kind of you know and, and then he comes out and wants to check my belt or my hat you know that's not going to go as well and so you know i i think the there's just a lot more chance you saw with girardi and, and Scherzer and all that stuff there's just a lot more chance for conflict when you're kind of presumed guilty until innocent you know what i mean so i i think that there is some sense and i don't think guys pitchers and hitters everybody kind of wants a a level playing field to some degree they don't want you know if you have the better spider tack or something like that but uh you know i just think that players managers baseball people in general just get annoyed when when things are done midstream to kind of change procedure because it it's just such kind of um I don't know, just a just a knee jerk reaction a little bit. So that that's what I am hearing from most guys. <laughs> the umpire was having to run his hands through Scherzer's hair. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's totally comical. Yeah. And the umpires, I mean, and I, I would love, I wish the umpires would talk more about it because I'm sure they are furious that they have to do this in a lot of ways because it puts them in a terrible position. There is nothing about this that they like, I guarantee it, because you're already, you know, trying to manage huge egos. You know, you're, you're, You've just got so many, you know, for all the the flack that umpires and referees get, and rightfully so. Sure. It's a difficult job, and Major League Baseball made their job even more difficult by having them. Hey, can you run your fingers through Max Scherzer's, you know, mane of hair? Come on, man! Like I'm not getting paid for this. Yeah, like, I mean, they come out. You know, to- I would love to hear an umpire candidly talk about it because I bet it would not be safe for live radio. Now, can you imagine what the conversation was yesterday? The umpire's walking out there. You could tell by the body language he did not want to go back out there again. No. And Scherzer, Everybody, right. Scherzer drop, takes off his belt and starts to undo his pants, and he's like, Max, Max, no, just just no. And, you know, and, and Scherzer's pissed, and he's a competitor, and – yeah, I, I I very rarely feel bad for umpires, but last night I felt bad for the umpires. That that was that could not have been what they really wanted. Oh to yeah, because you know that doing. umpires like Max. I do not want to be out here any more than you want to see me out here. Yeah, but I have to do this. Like, let's see your hat, and then you know he goes into theatrics, and <laughs> I'm sure they're trying not to laugh, you know, and everything in a lot of ways. But it just turns it into a circus. I guess it makes for good TV, and you know the the saying that you know any. Uh, any publicity is good publicity. Maybe it helps baseball a little bit, but I it it makes an adversarial relationship at least can be adversarial between players and umpires even more so. And I'm sure the umpires are not happy about it. Well, hey, really appreciate the time. I know you got uh, you got a job to do. Really appreciate you spending some time with us. Hope to catch up with you sometime soon. Yeah, guys, it was fun. Fun as always. Talk soon, Dave. Appreciate it, bud. All right, take care. That was David Brandt. We'll have uh, David DeLucci. You need that number? On a little bit. Yes, I will need that number. Um, we'll get David here in uh, in a few minutes. We'll talk about community mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Settle County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. So you're getting local underwriting. Understands your market. A leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Yep. Uh, hey, uh, don't get stuck on the sidelines. The deadline to register for the Oxford Park Commission's fall youth soccer season is Sunday, June the 27th. The cost is $50 per player. The uh, leagues are based on birth years, and uh, they have spots for those born in 2017 through 2008. The season begins at M-Trade Park August the 16th. Go to OxfordParkCommission.com to finalize your registration. If you want to play adult kickball, uh, grab some friends and join them for Adult Kickball League this uh, fall at M-Trade Park. The cost is $125 per team. No limit to roster size. Season starts July 7th. It goes through August the 4th. The deadline to register a team is July the 4th. Go to OxfordParkCommission.com. And the OPC is hosting an adult three-on-three basketball league uh, in July. Chase is playing. I am, yes. uh, They want you to take part. Cost per team is $200. Team captains submit their rosters to the OPC. The season runs July 6th through August 12th at the Coach Howell Activity Center. The deadline to register a team is this Sunday, June the 27th. And, again, that's OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. We're also brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Pinpoint 
uh, services the entire state and all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss grads. They utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for their clients. Pinpoint's core services include tenant representation, site selection, um, acquisition and disposition of income, producing assets, development, and occupancy solutions for landlords. Pinpoint takes pride in its attention to detail, professionalism, and hard work. And for all your commercial real estate needs, you can give Sam and BB a call at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they're uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit, hand-tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi, one size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. The baseball season, as you know, is wrapped up and you may not find yourself in Oxford for a few months. But that's no reason to delay your new Blue Delta jeans. Using Blue Delta's virtual tailor at bluedeltajeans.com, you can be measured and design your newest jeans in just a couple of minutes, and Blue Delta will make sure that you're looking great for the first kick of the football season in September. So until Sunday, that's this Sunday, June the 27th, podcast listeners can enter the promo code SUMMER. That's all lowercase, one word, SUMMER, at checkout for $100 off your order. It's a huge savings, so don't miss out. Podcast is brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C dot com. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Florida studio. I've got it at home as well. It uh, flies all the time, multiple streaming. doesn't matter. Whatever you need to do, you can do it there with Spark, N-E-Spark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone services available, parental controls, network security, and more. So find out if you're in your neighborhood, and if so, Get the best internet around again. Nespark.com 662-238-3159. I've done back back in my younger days. I did OPC flag football and I've done OPC softball. But oh. that's 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 that, that, that's about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the rumor about you playing basketball is false. I'm not a bad shooter, actually. If I just get to stand there and kind of pop, I'm 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 average to a, a little bit. I mean, very slightly above oh. average. Um, but. Anything else is abysmal. When a hand in your it. face and things get a little. I mean, there's no handle at all. I'm slow. I'm short. Yeah, there's not. There's not much else there other than that. If you just let me like stand over here in my spot and fire it up, we'll, we'll have a chance. Um, also, I mean, I have small hands. Like I would, I'm probably much better off like a women's basketball than a men's basketball too. I mean, it just is what it is. So, I would be yeah. scared at this point playing three on three basketball. If it got remotely competitive, that the ACL or the oh really Achilles so? or something, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at running a straight line. But you feel like side to side might get you a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Probably got to be in fairly decent shape for three on three basketball. The more I think about it, depending on how competitive it well, is, yeah, probably so. Like, yeah, depending probably on, so. I mean. I will, I mean, skip not really playing to the ad here, and we just got a couple minutes before we grab David, but I will give OPC a lot of credit. There are a lot of freaking opportunities for adults, kids, and whatever. They they make yeah. them a lot out of the different seasons, the different chances for different things there uh, between that. So, I mean, I'd be surprised we, how many people said how much they missed it last year, pandemic stuff, you know, not getting to do things. Oh. I mean, it was, you know, not just for kids, for adults too. Does it feel? Do activities and things feel normal completely for you? Do you even think about last year as much anymore, or is it kind of just moving like, on? I went to a Carson soccer game. They they had a friendly against Hernando last night. It just felt totally normal. 
Yeah, I, I don't. And then I came home and watched Suns Clippers, and that looked. You said it kind of for the first time. Looked pretty damn normal. Mm-hmm. Like you see the the crowd shots of the reaction to Crowder's pass to Aiton that won the game. The place is nuts. It's packed. It's crazy. Everybody's. You don't. I, I wasn't looking for masks, but I didn't see them. It looked and sounded and felt gloriously normal and the ratings have gone up Mm -hmm. and it's people do the thing about oh the nba is woke or the nba is not woke whatever the hell that means and and i'm sure there is something to some of that but i'm telling you man when you watch basketball as much as i watch basketball as much as carson watches basketball as much as we watch basketball and the there's no crowd and there's no the 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 camera angles are it doesn't look like what you're used to and it's disconcerting and now the games are starting to be like the Hawks Knicks series at Madison when they went to Madison Square Garden it felt like New York playoff basketball and it was awesome i mean i'm not a Hawks fan or a Knicks fan but i watched that and it was the there was a comfort to it that we're starting to get back the the games at Wrigley now the crowds are back it's full um you, you see that and it's just Feels like sports again. Do you think you will watch more sporting events now that crowds look normal? I'm absolutely watching more yeah. sporting events now, and I because I had gotten to that place where these empty stadiums, those empty NFL stadiums, were depressing, and I thought they did a great job shooting the NFL games. Mm-hmm. But like you would see every once in a while, I'll never forget. It, it was tight. The time that it hit me, there was a Packers Bears game at Soldier Field, okay. and they accidentally went wide. And you went. And I was like, no, I'm turning. Flipped. Really? Yeah. I said, this is not. Because baseball bothered you a lot more early yeah. than maybe oh, it bothered yeah. me. I was just glad for anything. I was like, okay, fine. I'll, well, just, I, I'll just go. I'm, I watched I'm, like I'm, a few days of it, and then I'm like, this is not. It was a Cubs-Cardinals game where the game went into extra innings, and it was at Wrigley. And I'm like, normally this place would be like a lot of nervous energy, and there was just nothing to it. It was quiet. And I've heard players talk about that now, like how much they missed the energy that the fans brought. Um, one more uh, bit of news here. I kind of forgot this earlier. They've got the matchup set for the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Ole Miss playing Kansas State in uh in that at home, this right? year. Yes, at, at home. I yeah. just kind of completely forgot that. But that is uh that is Ole Miss's matchup. I think State plays Texas Tech. I don't have the full list in front of me. Here we go. No, I do. Never mind. Uh, the let's see. This year the matchups are Baylor at Alabama. Oh, that's pretty a good, good one there. Um, that's real good. West Virginia at Arkansas. That's good too. Oklahoma at Auburn. Solid. Oklahoma State at Florida. Yep. Kentucky at Kansas. Sure. LSU at TCU. Eh. Kansas State at Ole Miss. Pretty Miss- good. Mississippi State at Texas Tech. Good game. Missouri at Iowa State and okay. Tennessee at Texas. That's oh, good, yeah. that's a good slate. That's real. All they the did same, a really nice job of putting that slate. Together. All on the same day, right? January 29th? It's either the same day or two days, but yeah, okay. either way, yeah, same weekend, same day, whatever it is. Um, yes, it is all on January 29th. That is correct. And then the, the teams from the SEC that don't play in this that didn't qualify from a standing standpoint, they play top four of the top teams from the American Conference. It's why Ole Miss played Wichita State. Oh this yeah. Year. So I guess like you know Memphis, Wichita, whatever from uh from that. So that's kind of how it goes. But yeah, Ooh. Ole Miss at home against Kansas State for uh for this one. So Ooh, he took an elbow right to the face. We're watching France and I'm assuming Portugal. Portugal here. Um, two of the best players in the world on this pitch. Yeah. All right. 
we'll go to David now here on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. So let Neil uh, fire that up. I told him. I'm assuming it's from your number. Uh, it's is it, or is it from the uh, the Skype number? It's what are we the doing? Skype number? Okay. I gave him a list of numbers. It could be. Okay. I wasn't sure what we were uh, where it was coming from. We'll talk to David Delucci here coming up for uh, a good bit of the show. Yeah, I saw that about Zobris. That was uh, something. Was that really widely known? About the pastor? Yeah. I did not know that. How did you not? No. Okay. I mean, I knew that they were having issues. Did it for like millions of dollars, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. And slept with his wife. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Dave. Chase, how are you? Just letting you know you're live. I kind of forgot to tell you that, so don't right. say anything crazy. Um, you doing all right? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm lovely here with uh, me and Neil. Appreciate you giving us a little bit of time today. We'll hey, jump Dave. all over the uh, the world of baseball. What are, what are you doing right now? What's going on now that the, uh, the at least the, the regular season's over? Well, I am I'm kind of in limbo right now. Um, I'm going to do the post World Series SEC Now show, so okay. I've got to kind of pay attention to what's going on, and uh, we're going to put a bow on the season when when it's all said and done. So I was nervous that that was going to be before the championship series of the College World Series, but State uh, has kind of uh, helped that out last night with that come from behind. So. Uh, I still got to pay attention to everything because, you know, I got that show. And then I do some radio stuff here and there locally and, and uh, on Sirius with the SEC channel. So I'm I'm still watching games, man. All is great. What uh what 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 kind of chances do you give Vanderbilt to coming back out of the other side? You know, it's funny. I, I picked early on in, in the uh, preview, I picked Vanderbilt as being the, the best team of of the field to be able to take a loss and, and still come back and win it all because I think their pitching staff is deep. I don't, the bullpen may not be as deep as other teams like state, but I think that the starting rotation with Riley and then this kid, Christian little that we saw pitch in the sec tournament. Uh, he was unbelievable, man. Throwing 96, 97. He came out of the game with a little forearm stiffness, but I think that, he could be the swingman X factor that if they needed to go to somebody. Remember a couple of years ago, it was Mason Hickman that was their midweek starter that kind of, you know, carried the load, uh, so to speak, that that helped them win it all. So I think they're going to have a pitcher. I mean, look, every one of those pitchers is a potential first round draft pick, but I, I think that's the kid that could step up and, and help them bridge the gap to get them back uh, on track. Hey, Dave, I get this question in my mailbag sometimes. I got it this week, and the truth is I'm not around them anywhere near enough to, or at all to, to where I can answer this question. But the question is, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it's always some form of this. What is it about Mississippi State's program or the culture around their program or the attitude around their program or whatever that allows them seemingly uh, every year to to make these deep postseason runs to play the way that they do late in the season is there some magic formula to what they do is it coincidental or or what you're around them some you you know that coaching staff some from doing what you do what how would you answer that i think the 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 magic and put it in quotes the magic formula is winning and i know that sounds simple but i i think that's just that's the case 
Uh, when I was playing at Ole Miss, LSU had it. And LSU still has it to some extent. But there are teams out there that they just believe that they're supposed to be winning. And therefore, they cannot fall too far behind in a game. They cannot be counted out during the course of the season. And they're not going to quit because they expect to win. It's in the tradition of the program when they tow the, the, the rubber or when they take the field or when they go to the batter's box, they're not only competing for the current team right now, but in their mind, they're carrying the tradition of all the players and teams that came before them in the past. And they don't want to let those guys down along with the big fan bases that they see day in and day out. So they're carrying the load for everybody. And that's not saying that in a way that they have more pressure on themselves. But that's just saying that in a way that they expect to be there. And whenever you have that team that and you see them come into the stadium, right? They're they're not timid. They're not nervous. They're not making stupid mistakes. They're playing loose. They're playing free. They're playing relaxed. That's the team that you got to worry about because they feel like, hey, you know, this is where we should be. Like Mississippi State's goal before the season starts is not to make it to Omaha. Their goal is to win the whole thing at Omaha. So right now, whereas some teams are just happy to be there and you hear a lot of these interviews where they go, man, we're just happy to be here. This is great. This is awesome. Those are teams that don't go very deep. Mississippi State expects to win it. And uh, and I don't think there's a stage too big for them because they know that, like I said, guys have been there and done that. They're playing for them. They're playing for themselves. And oh, by the way, you know, the 15,000 fans that they have at home and that are sitting in Omaha right now. I, I'm not necessarily talking about Ole Miss, but do you think the inverse is true with programs as well, that they've got to kind of overcome and win enough to, to not be thinking about some of the, the program negatives or the things that have happened in the past when the postseason gets here? Yes, absolutely. At any level, a college level, major league level, you, you are trying to get over the hump. You're trying to be the first of your team. Look at Tennessee currently. You know, Tennessee has – has gotten to territory that they haven't been to in forever. So they're trying to be consistent at getting to not only the postseason, but the College World Series. And if and if you're in a program that over the past few years has either gotten cold, got snake bit, gotten injured, whatever it is, that's on your mind. You know, like what what are we are what are and, and look, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 year old young men. And sometimes that creeps in their mind, like, man, last year we were here and this happened, you know, in a negative way. Or two years ago we were here and this happened. I remember playing for the Cleveland Indians in 2007, and we had a we had a, a World Series championship team. We took it all the way to the American League championship. But I remember being out in public, and a lot of the fans were telling me about times when the Indians and the other sports teams in Cleveland choked, and they had nicknames for all the chokes, the kick, the hike, the foul ball, whatever it may be. I'm sitting here thinking, man, the, the 24 other guys on my roster know about this, and so they're trying to fight the curse and prove that they're, we're not going to be cursed instead of just worrying about going out there and winning the ball game. So, yeah, you do carry that load. Like, are you going to be the team? that finally gets over the hump, well, it's harder to get over the hump than it is to stay on that other side of the hump. Thank God they were still fighting that hump in 2016, David. That's all I can say. As you said that, it was like, 
Woo, I'm glad that was in the back of their minds because I tell you what, when Rajay Davis hit a home run that night, I, I, I thought, oh, my God, it's real. Yeah. It's real. That's too funny. It, it is. It is real, man. It, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you just think it's like they're robots and they go out there and all they're worried about see ball, hit ball. But that's not the case, man. They're human beings and they know what's happened before them. They know what's expected out of them. And uh, there's a lot in your in your brain that goes through your mind before the game, during the game, and afterwards. What are your thoughts? We were asking David Brand a little while ago. David's out in Arizona about to cover Diamondbacks and Brewers. He, we were talking about Max Scherzer last night, Sergio Romo. I know you're having to really pay attention to the college game right now, but I'm sure you've at least followed the, the, the Major League Baseball situation to a point. The umpires having to check the players for the, the sticky tack. What's it called? Uh, spider tack and stuff um it, it's it's starting to really disrupt games it was comical yesterday but there's going to be a meltdown coming you've you've been in that batter's box against th- those caliber of pitchers what are your thoughts when you see this um i look i don't i don't like any any type of uh of getting around the rules bending rules breaking rules cheating i don't stand for any of that stuff and um and you know it's kind of Un, everybody kind of figured that it was going on to some extent. Like, I get it, man. Get a grip on that ball so you don't lose, uh, you know, slip out of your hand and you hit me in the ear hole. I don't. I definitely don't want that. But there comes a time when enough is enough. Like, you see it. It's, it's so blatant in front of you that you got to either tone it down or get it out completely. It's even in the college game. And uh, it's even in the College World Series. Like, I see some of these guys that just are blatantly – using this stuff and um i played in an era where steroids and 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 i hated it i hated knowing that i was going against a pitcher that was cheating that had an unfair advantage uh or having to negotiate a contract as an outfielder uh against other guys that were negotiating contracts with inflated stats i just don't think it helps anybody in the game uh, we always think about the the person that is doing it and cheating, but it affects everyone. Every single person that faces them, either as a batter or a position player or or getting a scholarship or anything, it, it's a trickle down effect. So, I was always taught that you know not to cheat. Cheaters never win, and and um, so I'm a stickler with staying in the rules. Uh, I think MLB always extends issues way too long whether it is uh you know starting the season later negotiating with players and that was a debacle or the steroid deal uh mlb's uh lack of admitting to what was going on and here's another example right here so it's black eye after black eye almost every single year and i'd rather the mlb be a little more proactive than reactive just stay and get in front of it they know what's going on but as, as a lover and promoter of the college game, I think it's great for college because all of the disgruntled fans at the MLB level are going to end up watching a pure game where it's all about winning and losing than it is contracts and, and sticky stuff on your fingers, and that's the college baseball game. So hopefully everybody comes up. You want your baseball feel, come on down to the college level. Do you think it was, especially during your era, where guys that maybe wouldn't necessarily have done it, I mean, kind of succumbed to their peer pressure a little bit because of the contract? I mean, do you feel like that once it started rolling downhill, it it's, just avalanched? It's so funny you say that, Chase, because I just pulled up David's career stats. I mean, 
we're talking to somebody that played in the major leagues yeah. 13 seasons. Okay, so you got to have you got to have a certain degree of talent to get paid to carry a wooden stick into a batter's box 13 years. <laughs> and you 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 hit uh, I had it in front of me. You, you hit 140 101 homers, 141 doubles, 35 triples. Your career OPS was in the 770s. Did you ever do you ever think now, you know, because you didn't cheat, I know, but Hey, if if I had juiced up, how many of my fly balls to to right field, fly balls to center field get out? How many of those doubles turn into home runs? What does that mean from a contract standpoint? How many more millions of dollars would I have in my account today if I had done it? A ton more millions of dollars. I mean, it's <laughs> it's uh, you know, there's a saying that that uh, PEDs, steroids, whatever you want to call them. There's a saying that it makes good baseball players great and great baseball players hall of famers Mm -hmm. and a lot of people compare a bodybuilder uh with a baseball player and say well you can't take a bodybuilder and put him out on the ball field and uh, because he's on steroids he can he can hit for a higher average or more home runs that's not a fair comparison because those guys don't swing a bat they're not trained for it Um, but if you do take a guy that's out there every single day and he has a, a decent amount of hand-eye coordination and you speed his, you, you increase his bat speed uh, so much that he can catch up to the fastest fastball. And you increase his strength so much that he can get jammed and still hit a ball 450 feet. Uh, boy, that's going to change the game a whole lot, right? I mean, a, a natural player has got to hit it on the sweet spot, which is only three inches on the bat. He better hit it directly on that sweet spot or he's going to break the bat and the ball's not going to make it uh, out of shallow outfield so it definitely gave an advantage and I and I saw it I saw it throughout my career in clubhouses I knew guys that were doing it that I was competing for a job with um, and it was unfortunate but I I've always said that at that time the reason I didn't do it was I, I mean I wasn't raised that way and I knew that at some point that I was going to have children that if they were athletes, they were going to get to a certain level where they would come to me and say, Dad, you know, everybody is as good or better as I am. What, what do you advise me to do? What can I do to extend my career or, or help help me uh, be better, play more, play, you know, whatever? And and I never wanted to to shy away from that question. I always wanted to be able to answer it. Son or daughter, I, I you know, was in the same situation you are, but I got to where I was because of hard work and not because I cheated or used a certain substance that allowed me to play or perform better. And for me, that's more important than any money out there, any millions of dollars, uh, is the fact that I can say I competed at the highest level for 13 years, injured for most of the time, uh, and I did it the right way. And, and I worked harder than anybody else out there to keep my job and to, to have decent stats. And so can you, son, daughter, friend, friend of you know whatever sure um so that's more important to me but you're right i mean money means everything now and every that's the excuse like everybody else is doing it and there's a 350 million dollar opportunity in in baseball now so it's more important to people today to get that big contract than it is on how you got the big contract you see the batting averages and stuff going so far down now i mean you know i'm 
I watch the Cubs day in and day out, and you'll look at the lineups for the Cubs or the teams they're playing, and you got all these guys hitting two ten or one ninety something or whatever. These are major league guys that have been in the in the game for a long time. Is that is that all the shifting, or is that the the spin rates and stuff making hitting almost impossible? No, I think it's a swing and miss because the home run is is where the money's being made. Okay. I think it's more important to hit the ball out of the ballpark than it is to have a two strike approach. Uh, I think it's more important to stay within yourself and try to pull a ball than to actually dink one down the opposite field when and beat the shift. And when I was playing, I remember the day that uh, when I was with the Orioles, uh, we had a player. We traded for a player, Hieronymus. And Robbie Alomar was, who had a higher average, but not the home runs. And that was kind of the late 90s was when it changed from get on base, batting average, uh, run scored to hitting the ball out of the ballpark is what everybody wanted. And that's where we're at now. Like I, I, I watched the MLB game and they got this big shift on. And I'm like, dude, just be a team player and push bun a ball to the other side. And you can Deion Sanders high step at the first base. And then when you get him to play normal, then when you pull the ball, you're going to get more hits. But they don't have to do it because there's no penalty for it. So it's swing out of the tank, try to hit the ball over the fence. And if you if you don't, if you strike out, well, it's not that big of a deal because everybody else is doing the same thing. And in my era, I hate to sound like the old fogey, but you would get sitting down if you were hitting 240 and 11 home runs. Nowadays, you're making $20 million. The game has changed. It's, it's not very fun to watch. Um, it's changed so much that MLB has implemented rules that if you get into extra innings and you can't get a runner on base, we're going to put a runner on second for you to try to score. Like, that's where the game is. It's, it's almost unrecognizable. Because otherwise you'll have six innings of extra innings with everyone trying to jack one. Exactly. Exactly. So they adapted the game to the approach at the plate instead of change things around. And it's it's money. Money drives everything. And as long as you're getting paid twenty five million dollars a year to hit two oh eight with twenty two home runs, then that's what that's what the game is gonna do. So it's cyclical. Everything's gonna come back around at some point, but it's losing a lot of fans. It's losing a lot of former players that we just I mean, we can't make excuses for it anymore. This is where it is, and it's not fun to watch. Obviously, sample sizes are so much smaller, but they're still analytics and showing you what guys do. We understand what guys do at the college level. Where do you stand on shifting at the college level? Um, yeah, I, I look at it. I remember when I was playing for Buck Showalter, he didn't like shifts because he felt that although you were protecting uh, one one side or, or, or one uh, location of the ball you're opening up, up to to what the hitter could could hurt you by going the other way and uh, and you know it's it is what it is man I mean it, it's it's like okay if the offense is not going to adapt then why should we make rules to stop it like they're they're trying to defend against hits it's kind of like if you got a great quarterback on one end and he's beating you with hail marys. Are we gonna? We gonna? Is the NFL or uh, NCAA gonna make rules where you can't throw a ball more than thirty yards down the field? Like, just get a defense to defend it. So as long as the hitters are not adjusting, I I mean, it's I don't like it, but as a former hitter, I would at least try to go the other way so they wouldn't put the shift on me anymore. I, I don't believe in people making rules to stop things because it wasn't illegal mm-hmm. to begin with. 
just change the way you hit when you go to the plate. Obviously, just curious because you, I'm sure you followed a little bit. You're down there. What, what, what was sort of your take on the way everything played out last week with Mike and LSU? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. This is, <laughs> this is a bizarre scenario down here, man. It, it was just. Um, Do us a favor, real boy. quick, David, because I'm curious. I get a lot of people going. You guys just made that up about LSU and, and Mike, and I'm like, well, why would I? Why would I do that? You're down there. How made up I, was it? I, I don't know. I don't know what's made. I don't know what's fact and what's fiction anymore. I think Keith Carter uh, had a quote similar to that uh, recently. But I just I think that early on in in um, in their search for a coach, uh, they had their sights. Obviously, Kevin O'Sullivan was was their number one guy. That didn't work out, and I think a lot of other names started being thrown out. I'm not so sure if it was coming from inside Scott Woodward's office or if it was just people within or thought that they were within the know to throw names out there. And originally, in the top choices, Mike's name, obviously, I mean, we would have expected that, that Mike's name as a former player and a Skip Bertman protege uh, came out. And especially after Kevin O'Sullivan issued the statement, Mike's name was brought to the forefront. Um, that was reported everywhere. I even did a um, a local news uh, radio show where they asked me to to join it to talk about the College World Series, and the whole conversation was on Mike. And one of the questions that they asked me was, "Who's fir- Ole Miss's first choice going to be after Mike goes to LSU?" And my my answer was. Well, I think Ole Miss's first choice is Mike Bianco. I don't think they're looking for anybody else other than Mike. So, I mean, it was out publicly down here. Whether it was valid or legitimate, I don't know. Um, but it, is, it has been – they've just basically gone down a list of the top names uh, for college coaches, and uh, I guess they're hoping to get one to stick. But I think inside the office, Scott Woodward is – is probably keeping things close to his chest. I think they've got their sights on someone that they feel very highly about. Um, and and it's it's not, you know, and may not be an SEC guy, um, but it but it's just it's just crazy the amount of rumors that that have come out. And I think during the process and the length that all these rumors and all these coaches have been named. I think it's diminished the opportunity to be a head coach at LSU, which was revered as one of the best coaching positions you can be at. It's kind of people are over it now down here. They were excited early on, and now they just want it to end. Just kind of curious. Last day, what you go in a couple minutes Um, from from a player standpoint. I mean, major league baseball, especially at the college level. Um, Mike, you know, he admitted to the players, it came out that he did, you know, publicly interview for the position. Is that something, you know, if you're, if you're a coach, how do you sort of handle that with your players that you interviewed or at least to some extent pursued a job inside your own division? I mean, is there a little bit of, um, you know, bandaid that's required there, if you will? Well, it probably is. I I would think so, but this is kind of where I'm, the way I feel is now, if if I'm reading the rules right, the the transfer opportunity allows players to to go to different schools now within the conference and not have to sit out. Correct. So we, That's ha- correct. we basically have no loyalty, uh, and everybody wants to say, well, if if a coach take another job somewhere, I can transfer and go play 
somewhere else. Going on both ends. So I can't a coach go out there and interview for an opportunity in a better his situation or his family or his future. Uh, and I think players understand that nowadays. You know, we, we, are, we are growing up in the travel ball era where, where these youngsters play on several different teams. There's really no commitment to one team. And they would understand that a coach going out there and trying to do something for, for his best interests is okay. And now maybe they can join him. Maybe they can leave that program and follow him somewhere else. Um, but once again, I don't know what's involved in the conversations. I don't know what's involved in the, the clubhouses. Uh, I would think all of those that were mentioned – uh, or revered enough and trusted enough by their players and staff that if they uh, had a meeting and, and talked to everybody about it, I think everybody would understand uh, where they were coming from. But then once again, I, I'm not totally confident in the information that's coming out from certain sources down here to be factual. So I, I just don't know. What do you feel like Doug Nikhazy's ability is at the next level? Oh, I, I think that um, on just his courage, city, uh, his lack of, of of fear on the mound, I think the sky's the limit for him. That you can't teach that. You can't teach drive. You can't teach, uh, uh, what he showed uh, competing Arizona, a team that was running his pitch count up, fouling balls off left and right. Uh, any normal pitcher would have been so flustered they would have come out of the game. But Doug battled through it, and he stayed the course. Um, that is invaluable. And uh, if you add to it the fact that he can throw a fastball for a lefty uh, at a major league spin rate, major league velocity, and fantastic break along with that, I think he's going to be a big leaguer. I think he's going to stay in the big leagues for many years. Um, and I think while he's in the we're going to enjoy Doug Day, you know, every fourth day, which I think is better because they're going to be able to market Doug Day. So they're going to have him around for his ability on the field, but off the field. Well, David, I hope you uh, have a uh, rest, of, a good rest of the baseball season. Maybe get a little rest, a little more radio, and let's uh, let's do it again soon. Appreciate the time today, bud. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. Y'all have a great day. You too, Dave. Thanks. That was David DeLucci. Former Ole Miss player, former MLB player, 13 years in the bigs. Got to have a certain degree of talent. Because you got to hit a little to hang around 13 years. Um, he won a World Series title with the Diamondbacks in 2001 um, on that team. So, anyway. We're Brought to you by uh, Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. They've been serving Oxford for almost 75 years. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, everything. They've got it. They're the gold standard in fine jewelry. You can check them out at LamonsFineJewelry.com. Or 662-234-2777. Also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. Uh, 662-801-1777. If you're in the Oxford, Tupelo, or surrounding area, uh, they're the people to call for all your heating and cooling needs. Brought to you by the College Corner, your one-stop rebel shop, two locations in the Jackson area. You can also go to collegecornerstore.com, and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram, the largest selection of rebel gear in central Mississippi. Also brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. They treat investing like a commodity and decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. At Pinnacle, you can learn more at pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. 
John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated is the guy you need to be getting in touch with. If you're thinking about traveling, you want to make a trip, one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first book trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast and brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, that's the place to go. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com, just off Interstate 55 in Grenada, Mississippi. I've got a mailbag up at RebelGrove.com. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo, condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. Whitney can handle it all, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. So we will uh, be back. We'll talk more uh, podcasts this week as well. Stay locked in, rebelgrove.com. In the meantime, for anything that uh, pops up, maybe it's a fairly quiet rush of the week. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And then we'll uh, we'll bring you schedules for the coming weeks as we uh, as we know them. I know a little time off next week um, at different points, and then we'll we'll figure that out. So. That's what's going on on our end. Appreciate David Brandt. Appreciate David DeLucci. And we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Have a good day.